Welcome, everyone, to the post-scrimmage edition of BAMS Radio. We're coming to you a couple of days later uh, because we wanted to wait until after the first scrimmage of fall camp 2018 uh, to bring you an hour of BAMS Radio and some discussion of Crimson Tide football. I'm your host, Drew Armand, along with co-host and producer extraordinaire, the wizard behind the curtain, Thomas Watts. Also, our third amigo, as always, insider, former Alabama Crimson Tide offensive lineman, and from 89 to 93, a member of the Tide and a 1992 Centennial Season National Champion, William Redfish Barger is with us. William, welcome back to BAMS Radio tonight. A lot to discuss. Some interesting buzz coming out of this first scrimmage, including, uh, I, as you know, this week I sat in for the one and only Ryan Fowler on the game in Tuscaloosa, and I, was, I, I hosted Monday and Friday. And the question of the day yesterday as I hosted the show which would this quarterback battle be Ali Frazier or would it be Michael Spinks and Mike Tyson? And I think we got an answer today, and it was rather interesting as uh, the magic continues as Tua Tungvaloa sounds like he put on a show. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, I almost want to tap the brakes and, and just, you know, slow this whole thing down a little bit, but. Um, you know, I had a friend that was there today and, you know, the, the text messages and then the, you know, the phone conversation on his way, way, you know, way back from Tuscaloosa was, um, quite enlightening, I guess, to, to say the least. Um, you know, I guess probably the most disappointing thing to me was it sounded like Mac Jones went backwards, but, um, yeah, I mean, everything that you've read and heard on social media and the internet is, is true. I mean, uh. Tua went out there and was just on fire. Uh, you know, to quote my buddy, that there was some some possessions where he got into a groove, and if the deep ball wasn't there, he was you know hitting Judy or Rugs on fifteen yard crossing patterns, and you know he, he threw this caveat in there. He said, "I don't want you to think that you know." Um, he because he did also say too that none, none of those freshman DBs got any reps with the ones they were the. the I think he said Job and Sertain uh, saw a lot of time with the twos, but he said, you know, hell man, you know, what are these guys supposed to do? Um, you know, when a perfect pass is thrown, you can't defend that. And, uh, you know, I think that'll be fun to watch. I mean, we, we've experienced some, uh, you know, Alabama versus old Miss matchups where that scenario played out where, you know, the, the corner had good coverage and, you know, there were some back shoulder throws, you know, placed out there that you just can't defend. But yeah, it was uh, it was the Tua Tungabailoa show today. Um, you know, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, you know, it was obviously the passing scrimmage. Uh, you know, the guys I think that are you know going to go to the Red Elephant Club scrimmage next Saturday are going to get the the mix of, of run heavy, you know, less pass, but. You know, lots of positives coming out of it. I think the, the, the best thing is that I was told is there were no major injuries. Uh, Najee Harris did suffer what, what, what I was told was a minor ankle sprain. Um, so, you know, that's a positive. Um, you know, they, he was very impressed with the kicking game, both by the field goal kickers and the punters. Um, you know, uh, uh, Noma, um, you know, blocked a couple of kicks. Uh, but got, you know, inducted into uh, SEC football by Jonah Williams. Um, you know, something that, you know, Drew, you and I have been talking about this for six months now. My boy Jalen Moody, who I've been trying to uh, talk people off the ledge since National Signing Day, that he was a hell of a lot better than his two-star rating. Yes. Uh, flashed a bunch today in a scrimmage. I still contend that he's a – you know, two inches taller, a step faster, you know, Sean Dion Hamilton clone. Um, he, he, he had a nice day today. Obviously, uh, you know, although he's probably not going to be a factor this fall, I think, uh, um, you know, having uh, a Lee Cahoe out there, uh, you know, running around in, in shorts and a T-shirt, uh, people got to see an early look at him. Uh, but man, everything that came out of the scrimmage today from, you know, who I've talked to and texted back and forth with was very positive. Yeah. And, uh, with Ale Kehoe, I can, uh, I can confirm it was academics mostly that kept him 
from getting into Washington. And, uh, you know, Tosh did a really good job recruiting him earlier in the process and had a very good relationship with his father, though the parents are getting a divorce. Looks like the father uh, could be relocating with Ali Cahill to Tuscaloosa. Uh, that's not confirmed, but uh, there's strong speculation of that. And uh, so, uh, and he, he had a couple of deaths in the family, so he's had a rough summer. But it's good to get Ali Keho on campus, and uh, he, I think he could help later in the year when he gets acclimated. They've still got the four-game redshirt rule. Certainly, uh, he'll help for next season. Uh, as if Mac Wilson stays healthy and has the year anticipated, he would move on to the National Football League, and they need depth. And as you said. Jalen Moody, everybody, oh, why is Jalen Moody being signed? Why are they doing this? He's a two or a three star. Let the coaches evaluate the players. What you should be most excited about is this was Pete Golding's guy, and he found him in short order. He was the number one inside backer on Arkansas's board when they hired their new staff, and they were madder than hell when he ended up not in Fayetteville because that's where he would have gone if he didn't go to Alabama. But J.J. Peterson, who's likely headed to junior college, uh, went to Tennessee when Alabama thought they had him lined up. And then Quay Walker went to play for Kirby Freeze. I mean, smart, after his mother got a job in Athens, Georgia. So everybody just relax. Jalen Moody can play football. And, you know, and I think Markel Benton is on his way to being a player. And I yep. guess just our, our, our first mention of training days rolling with the tide, I'm glad we mentioned Josh Job because for the rest of his career, I'm sure he's going to be referred to as Teddy Bear. And if you watch the episode, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, when the well, Denzel, De- Denzel Duvall using the air horn to wake everybody up and waking up Joshua Job as he got out of the bed and then admitted to his teammates that he sleeps with a teddy bear and he will be hearing about that for the rest of his career. Well, you know, uh, first things first, I don't give a damn what Josh Jeb sleeps with as long as he oh, can, as long as he can ball, it doesn't matter, man. Heck, man, that would probably help him with the ladies. But, but you know, here, here's a fun fact, Drew, uh, going back to Jalen Moody's star ranking. Right. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people even realize this, but Nick Saban's highest drafted prospect since he became the head coach in 2007 at Alabama was a three-star defensive tackle named Marcel Darius. Now, yes, that's more of an uh, uh, you know, indictment against the people, the, the journalists that look at these kids and rank them. Uh, Marcel was a five-star defensive tackle prospect to me. And, of course, you know, the excuse was given um, that he had grade issues at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody and their brother knew that Kerry Murphy had grade issues too, and that didn't stop them from uh, ranking Kerry Murphy as a five-star. Yeah. So – but but don't and I'm not trying to say that Jalen Moody is a five star linebacker. That remains to be seen. But I can tell you this much: he's a hell of a lot better. I, I've always said I felt like he was a taller, one step faster version of Sean Dion Hamilton, and we'll see how that plays out. Um, but but a huge pickup for Alabama. I agree with you. Um, you saw Nick Saban's trust and Pete Golding to uh, bring that kid in, um, despite you know, what the recruiting services said about him. Um, obviously, Nick agreed with Pete and uh, trusted him and, and took his evaluation, and they made him a part of the class. So, and I think also, too, you know, uh, you know now, now you can count, uh, you know, Cahoe um, as a part of that 2018 class. And, uh, you know, things all of a sudden look a little bit different on that inside linebacker depth chart. You know, and as long as something doesn't happen, to uh, uh, Dylan Moses and Mac Wilson, um, this is a, a moot point to begin with. But you know, I, I just think you know, a you come out of the first scrimmage, actually the first you know full week of fall camp, and you haven't seen any real you know season-ending injuries to any of the starters. Um, you know, it looks like there's going to be some separation in the quarterback race. Um, now, I think everything is, is trending, you know, in the right direction for this 2018 Alabama football team. Well, I'd agree with that, and and uh, and I and I can piggyback off of what you said. I mean, Tua was amazing. Uh, you know, four TDs, no INTs. Jalen Hurts did not, you know, have a good scrimmage. Uh, you know, uh, at least from a number standpoint. You know, no touchdowns, uh, three picks. He struggled throwing the football. Mac Jones was okay. Uh, certainly, the top two quarterbacks are who. You, or are going to be uh, 
Tua and Jalen in that order. Uh, Jalen did take the first reps, uh, but threw an interception early, and Tua got into a rhythm and pretty much uh, uh, had his way throughout the scrimmage. Now, even with all that said, you know, I've, we've heard from good sources that the, the first de- team defense did look good, especially in the secondary was solid. You, you wonder because of all those touchdown passes, but from what I was told, like you say, you can't, uh, and you mentioned it earlier, you, they, they had good coverage. It's just sometimes two would make a perfect throw. And I think as we talked about last week, they feel good about the first five. I think you got Savion Smith and uh, Trevon Diggs at the left and the right corners, Trevon with the, uh, the left and Savion on the right. Uh, you've got the you've got the, the ball out belt holder because of his three interceptions in practice last week uh, that I think has been completely undervalued. Chime Carter at the nickel, and then your two safeties are Xavier McKinney, who got a little dinged up in practice this week, but he's okay, and Deontay Thompson. Now they got to decide who the dime back is, and there was only there's been one piece of, of negative news coming out of this week of practice, uh, and that's two injuries uh, that happened before the scrimmage. Uh, and that would be shoulder injuries, a minor one to Jamie Mosley, the senior outside Sam linebacker who did not practice today. And then the more severe is Daniel Wright, the sophomore safety uh, from the, the state of Florida. He at Fort Lauderdale, he, his is more severe. Uh, you know, it could be a situation where they're going to try to manage it, uh, you know, the rest of the season. But he could eventually have to have surgery. But the good thing is he did not redshirt a year ago. And if they try to play him and he's not, you know, you know, responding, certainly he can red shirt. But what that does is I think it means Jared Maiden has got to be the front runner at the dime right now in the third safety. But it also opens up the door for Kyrie McDonald, the red shirt freshman from James Clemens High School, the teammate of LeBron Rays from here in my backyard in Madison. So Kyrie McDonald will get a longer look. And, of course, Patrick Sertain heard he had a couple of moments today, but is still getting used to the physicality. And of course, he's a true freshman. So, uh, like, but like you said, William, none of those freshmen saw time with the ones. But I still think they're happy with where uh, the, uh, the the secondary is going. And then you mentioned Ayabi Anoma. He certainly got baptized today, but he also had moments. He sacked Tua Tungavaloa. He had two sacks along with Chris Allen. And so I think the freak moniker given to Ayabi Anoma is an accurate one. I think he's going to be a rabbit rusher from the word go. Uh, certainly Chris Allen had a great spring. We all agree with that. And he's coming into his own. He's being cross-trained by Tosh Lupoy and Pete Golding to work inside and out uh, due to, you know, trying to develop depth at inside backer, as is Christian Miller. Uh, But overall, it was very encouraging, uh, you know, what we heard on both sides of the ball. And then, of course, the guy they call Magic. We've talked about him for months, Jalen Waddell. He was the primary punt returner. Uh, He did a nice job. The kicking game report was very encouraging. Uh, we hear that they did not miss either kicker a kick inside of 50 yards, which is, you know, very, very encouraging. And then when they tried about four 50-plus yarders in situational football, uh, J- Joseph Belovis missed two, and Austin Jones was two out of three. So if there's some separation at kicker a little bit, it might be with Austin Jones, who maybe showed a little bit more leg strength. But overall, I think Skylar DeLong was solid again. And, and Jeff Banks already having an impact with the kicking game. So, I thought that, you know, those reports are very encouraging. From a wide receiver standpoint, with all these touchdown passes, I know Terrell Shavers had one. And from, uh, from another source, I'm hearing uh, that Henry Ruggs had a big scrimmage. So overall, it sounds like they got a lot done. As you said, William, I don't think they ran the football very much. Uh, the only two minor tweak injuries they had during the scrimmage uh, was a minor ankle with Najee Harris and a, and a minor one with the Yabi Anoma as well, as you said, because he was getting baptized I left tackle Jonah Williams. So, uh, but overall, the uh, very a lot of very encouraging things you're hearing. Uh, of course, people are going to uh, grind their teeth if if the quarterbacks throw too many touchdowns because they start worrying about the defense. But it sounds like the defense had some moments as well. And and let's just let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, this is Spinks Tyson. I think this quarterback deal is over. And I think Tua Tungavaloa, if healthy, is is the guy. And he's just a special player. I mean, he can make some really good secondaries look bad. He certainly did that to, to Kirby Freeze. I mean, smart uh, last year. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, so, I mean, just be happy. Hope, hope that Tua is healthy coming out of fall camp because I think this offense can uh, reach some productivity levels that we haven't seen 
uh, with uh, with him and all these weapons that he's going to have at his disposal. You know, Drew, I think probably you know outside of the scrimmage reports, the the most encouraging thing that I've seen since fall camp is opened is the ESPN All Access show. Yeah, and and what I'm talking about is. Um, you know, despite the you know the Scott Cochran moment and, and you know, all that other stuff, um, you know, I thought that that you know because I, I wanted Dan Enos to be the offensive coordinator um, when 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 Nick hired uh, Lane Kiffin. Uh, not that I regret the Lane Kiffin era by any stretch of the imagination, um, but but I, I've, I've always thought that uh, Enos was a quarterback whisperer, and you know, watching that show and and, and the way he was you know, going through the read progressions. Um, you know, I think Alabama, um, even Nick Saban, hell, he even kind of bragged on himself a little bit, you know, during that show that, you know, basically, you know, we hit the reset button on the whole staff and the program in general by hiring all these new coaches. Um, you know, when you, when you start looking at, you know, having a guy like Dan Enos coaching the quarterbacks and, and Coach Cool coaching the – the D line, who who, it, it's not even a secret that he's the best D line coach in college football, and then you factor in Josh Gaddis, who is a, you know, in my opinion, almost a carbon copy of Tosh Lapoy. He's elite X's and O's, and elite as a recruiter. And then you know the guy that's probably not getting talked about enough, who's a pretty good recruiter, and and but you know the, the stuff that he brings to the table as a full time special teams coach. Um, and Jeff Banks, and then you know you've got Pete Golding, um, you know who, who hasn't, which which I consider his pickup of Byron Young from Mississippi um, a huge feather in his cap. You know he's he's gotten placed over there, um, you know down there in the swamplands of Mississippi and Louisiana, and that's a tough road to hoe. But man, I mean these these coaching hires that Nick Saban made. Um, you know, the only one that's still a mystery to me, Drew, and, and, you know, you might have different information than I do, but I, you know, I just have not heard, you know, anything good or bad about Carl Scott. I, I just, he's still kind of an unknown to me. But, man, this, this, these coaching hires that Nick Saban made, uh, you know, you know, when you start looking at the, uh, the recruiting classes, um, it, it's, it's going to be a fun, fun, you know, next you know, five to seven years if you're an Alabama fan. And it's interesting you bring up Carl Scott. I asked Cheyenne Carter about Carl Scott and because that's, of course, his position coach now. And he, uh, he, had already, he already knew Coach Scott from the recruiting process because Coach had, uh, had been in Louisiana, you know, working at, uh, uh, you know, uh, in, in, he's, a, and he's a native of the state too, but he'd been working in the state of Louisiana, also had been at Texas Tech and I think had recruited Cheyenne. So he already knew him. Uh, you know, they speak very. You know, everybody that I've talked to speaks very you know, positively of him. Uh, we'll certainly find out his recruiting prowess if he can pull Baxton Hill, uh, because Alabama's in a dogfight uh, with the, one of the most overrated coaches of all time, Jim Harbaugh. Or at least we'll find that out for sure if he can't win the Big Ten with Shea Patterson at quarterback and Urban Meyer uh, in the mix of a mess. Uh, at Ohio State, and some interesting information coming out of that, that it looks like the whole whistleblower, uh, at least it hasn't been completely confirmed yet, but strong speculation is Tom Herman uh, blew the whistle on his old boss uh, at Texas because of the way they had recruited uh, Garrett Wilson, a five-star wide receiver from uh, Austin, Texas, in his backyard, and uh, he he blew the whistle on Zach Smith and Urban Meyer, so that's very interesting, but I, you know, I, I trust Nick Saban, you know, because the secondary is his baby. Uh, and certainly Greg Brown didn't work out long term. But I do think Carl Scott, the, the early returns are good. Now we'll see when the season starts and, and how these guys play. Uh, but uh, it, it sounds like, uh, like you said, William, that I mean, I, I think uh, Coach Saban said it best. And we saw that comment during the first episode of training days rolling with the tide when he said we've got six new coaches and we feel like, you know, we hit a home run. And, you know, I think that's the – I think he feels really good about these guys and the way they're working together. You know, there's been there, – I think people are still wondering about that dynamic between Mike Loxley uh, and, and Dan Enos. You know, I was told going into the scrimmage today by someone, and I don't even know if I, – I, I, quite frankly, it didn't jive with what I've heard, but that Mike Loxley uh, might be 
was was more of a, a Jalen guy, and and Dan Enos more of a Tua guy. Well, their eyes don't lie to them. They watched what they saw today, and you know I, I and like I told the guy, I said Loxley was pining for Tua last year uh, during the the latter parts of the season. So I just think Tua has stepped forward. I mean, and, and then I know you probably remember that comment, William, that Tua made during the opening episode of Training Day is rolling with the tide. He, he's, he's just, he, he, nothing phases him. Because like he said, you know, I just took it as an opportunity against Georgia to, play, to get a chance to play. I didn't even think about it being the national championship. To me, it was just another game. Well, he's continued to do the same thing and go out there uh, today and perform at a very high level against a talented defense. Certainly, I, I'm sure that Alabama's even their first group's got some things to work on, and you got a new defensive staff, and you got a whole an entirely new secondary. But uh, I think too is a special quarterback, and I think this defense is only going to get better under Nick Saban's tutelage. We've never seen Alabama have a poor defense under Nick Saban. Uh, so I think overall, I, I would I would I would take a lot of positives out of this. And like you said. They'll probably work on the running game more, uh, you know, next week. And uh, certainly they'll try to get Najee Harris back to 100%. Uh, but uh, Alabama right now, the biggest things is no injuries of, of any kind of severity. Uh, and then, you know, uh, and then I think, uh, and then they got some productivity and got some, I think, some clarity uh, with what everybody was expecting out of the quarterback situation. So I think overall, good first step, and we'll see where Alabama goes from here. And I, I'm going to be interested to see how Jalen Hurts, you know, responds because I wondered if he would step it up today. He obviously had a tough day. Uh, now he's continued to paint himself into a corner. He's going to really have to have a good week of practice coming up. Well, and, you know, I don't want you to think that, you know, my lack of information on Carl Scott. Was oh, no, 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 not at all. Um, just, you know, there's there's a, you know, a, a proven track record of, um, you know, Gaddis and, you know, what he's done in the past, both as a, a position coach and a, a recruiter. There's a proven track record of, of Coach Cool. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, if, if uh, one of his former recruits at Missouri, uh, Terry Beckner, gets drafted in the first round, um, you know, that's going to give him, you know, six first-round draft picks at, at a place like Missouri. Um, you, know, you know, Pete Golding, I think, when, when you saw what he did, um, at Texas San Antonio last year, um, you know, with his defense, um, you know, I, I just think it's a it's a great mix of you know on on the coaching staff, and you know I, I go back to this Drew, and this is what I think a lot of people, especially the um, the journalist type guys that, that can't see um, you know the forest for the trees sometimes with this stuff. And, and this goes all the way back to the Julio Jones recruiting class. And I had an Alabama uh, staff member explain this to me. And when I started to get some insight um, you know, into how Nick Saban's process works, because uh, you know, I've had some people look at me and get cross-eyed when I say, I think this is going to be the most talented uh, you know, team of, of the Nick Saban era. Um, you know, Coach Saban has a, a process, a philosophy, a belief that he has to sign a recruiting class on an annual basis that has four or five guys that they identify coming out of high school that can end up being first-round draft picks. And if you go back and you look, um, and there has been some recruiting classes, um, you know, that I think have been overrated, um, you know, by some of these recruiting services because there's been so many busts. Um, and some of the higher-rated guys flushed out. But um, he, he's got a, a, a belief that he has to have four or five guys in every recruiting class that are first-round draft pick potential coming out of high school. You know, sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. But if you go back and look over the last decade, more times than not, it's worked out. But if you go and you spend some time analyzing that 2017 Alabama recruiting class, you know, that, that had Tua Tungabailoa, Najee Harris, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, the list goes on and on. There, there's probably 10 to 11 guys in that recruiting class. And that's got all the wide receivers in it and everybody else. Um, even a guy like Ben Darius Cowan, who had he, you know, been able to follow the rules and get developed, he probably could have been in the mix as well. But there's, there's, there's you know, 9 to 11 guys in that 2017 class 
that could end up being first-round draft picks. So that's where my belief is coming from, that this is going to be Nick Saban's most talented team. Yeah, and it looks like early returns, and it's still early because it's the second year, are, William, that this 17 class is going to be deeper and even more loaded than it turned out the 2008 group was. Yeah, I mean, you know, my take on that 2008 group, Drew, was this. Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of top-heavy. I mean, you had guys like Barron and Julio and, um, you know, Don Hightower. Mm-hmm. Mark Ingram, that, that you know, they, they, yeah. But, you know, they ended up only having, because they signed, I think, like 32 or 33 guys, and only 15 of that class contributed. So, you know, it's right. my belief, it, it's hard for me to call that class overrated because of the number of people, including Marcel Darius, that ended up being first-round draft picks. But, you know, that's, that's a lot of guys that never contributed. Mm-hmm. Um that, that's that's the norm, in my opinion. I, I think this 2017 class is going to reset the bar, um, and I think they're in the process of doing it again with the 2019 class. And from what I'm being told, they're going to do it again next year with the 2020 class. So, um, you know, it, it's funny because um, I really think the next five to seven years of the what I would like to call the uh, the Tua uh, era, uh, both he and his little brother. Um, I, I think the next you know three to six years, so to speak, is, is going to really increase the Bammer fatigue uh, along with college football. It, it, it's I don't think people have any idea, um, you know, because you know what what Alabama under Nick Saban was known as is they were going to win the line of scrimmage. There was no doubt they were going to have the best offensive line and the best front seven in college football. They were going to have a five-star running back back there, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, even though Mark Ingram wasn't rated one, but a Mark Ingram or, um, you know, a, a Trent Richardson or a T.J. Yeldon, a Derrick Henry uh, to run behind that big offensive line. But th- they haven't had a dynamic quarterback um, like like Tua or Leah, and you know they're, they're going to keep winning the line of scrimmage and recruiting uh, on both sides of the football. And now they're going to have uh, you know two guys over the next you know five to seven years that can distribute the football um, and throw it into tight windows. And I mean, you know, as an Alabama fan, I sit back and I watch this thing unfold. But at the same time, I laugh a little bit internally because what are you going to do with these people? You know, everybody thought, Drew, that last year's recruiting class was, was, you know, such a a downgrade. But let's look at it honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's look at it honestly. They signed their number one offensive target in Jalen Waddell. They signed their number one defense, I mean, a defensive target in Anoma. And then they signed the best DB class. of the Nick Saban era with all those guys. Plus, they got their number one uh, three and five technique target in Christian Barrymore. So just how big of a failure was it? You know, they met their needs. And then, you know, they got this one coming in and the one next year. Um, You know, sorry, if you've got Bammer fatigue, you know, if you're a Georgia fan or a Tennessee fan, um, you know, whoever else, it, it ain't going anywhere anytime soon. No, it's not, and then they then they add Ale Keho late. So and now so with Moody and you team him with Jalen Moody, and they definitely met their needs at inside backer now in this class, in my opinion. So uh, and then with guys hey, like Hey Drew, yes, think about yeah. this. Think about yeah. this. You know, well, what's that wide receiver film room going to look like uh, when they when they add Wondell Robinson to the mix? Is Jalen uh, Waddle two point oh? <laughs> and what's yeah. that, and what's that what's that front seven going to look like? when they add easily, easily, the number one defensive lineman in the country. I don't give a shit. Sorry, Thomas, edit that out. I don't care what anybody says or how anybody has Antonio Alfano rated. He is the number one defensive lineman in the country, and it's not even close. Yeah, and I remember you saying the same things and turned out to be, uh, you know, live up to it with Marcel Darius as I remember that the term was a stone killer 
And that's basically. Oh yeah, what man, dude. The first Marcel time, the first Darius time I clicked Marcel Darius's film, the first time I I turned Marcel Darius's film on, and you got to remember, I mean, he's going up against, you know, two hundred and twenty-five pound, you know, offensive tackles in the Birmingham area at the high school level. I mean, when he would when he would throw his hands, um, you know, it looked like the the guy that was trying to block him was getting whiplash in a car wreck at sixty miles an hour. Um, but you know this this Amphano, I mean his measurables are off the charts, and, and you know these recruiting services are punishing him for you know getting to, getting into a little bit of trouble. You know supposedly, uh, you know Penn State was his dream school, and he wasn't a take for Penn State, which I, I could go into a, a totally different avenue about uh, the ethics and morals at, at Penn State's university over the last half century. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm gonna tell you something. This this Alfano, he he, he is. Uh, I'll tell you this: for somebody that wants to look it up, I'm not going to do the math homework for you. Go look at what a guy that was, you know, in, in some people's uh, votes, the number one high school player in the country coming out in 2014, and Jonathan Allen. And, and what that guy did at the college level, and look at what his, you know, height, weight, uh, how how he could jump, his shuttle run, his forty time, um, as, a, as as a four year player at Alabama, and compare it to Antonio Alfano as a senior in high school. It, it's it's not even in the same classroom. Yeah, Antonio Alfano is definitely somebody everybody's looking forward to seeing. Uh, in a Crimson Tide uniform, no question about that. And then, uh, and, and also, as far as this uh, the, the scrimmage goes, uh, you know, again, like we said, Henry Rugg supposedly putting on a show. He seemed to have excellent chemistry last year with Tua Tungvaluwa leading the team in touchdown catches, most of them from Tua. And of course, he had the first touchdown in the national championship game. So Henry Ruggs having a nice game. Uh, hearing Jerry Judy made some plays as well. You've got Devontae Smith. You know what he can do. Very encouraged by Terrell Shavers catching a touchdown from Tura as well. He's a redshirt freshman from Louisville, Texas. We had his high school coach out here on BAM's radio. So, as you said, William, and that's not even counting Waddle, who I think did a lot of, uh, you know, uh, he, he's the one today that flashed as a punt returner, even though, you know, it's not live tackling and the punting. But he obviously caught the ball well and showed off his quickness uh, and, and like we said, they called him Magic. That was his high school nickname. And certainly uh, looking forward to seeing him on the field as a true freshman for the University of Alabama. And then, as you said, Wandell Robinson uh, from uh, Western Hills High School in Frankfort, Kentucky, seems to be a, a heavy Alabama lean now. Uh, you know, uh, I think they've done a great job recruiting him. He's the number one prospect in the state of Kentucky. Certainly Kentucky's been good to Alabama with Sean Alexander uh, and Damian Harris. Uh, and and we hear all this today, and we didn't hear much out of the running backs, but we know that's probably still the most talented group for this Alabama football team. So everyone very excited about this team, I think, right now, and and they just want the the, the guys to stay healthy and go out there and perform. Uh, and looking forward to September the first, no question about it, against Louisville. But William, I wanted to speaking of offensive linemen, uh, I know we're the main topic of conversation today has been this scrimmage, which we're all excited about. But uh, I wanted you to also comment on Alabama's latest verbal commitment. Uh, and and it, it was a little surprising to some. I had heard that he had a committable offer. I think they're taking him to be a center due to the fact that Clay Webb wants to play guard and they like Clay Webb at guard. But your thoughts on taking uh, uh, Darian Dalcourt from St. Francis in uh, Baltimore and continuing the pipeline to that program as he chose Alabama this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, that that certainly caught me uh, by surprise. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody thought that that, that kid was going to be a part of this class. I mean, you know, I'm not going to speak derogatively about him. Um, I think he's a solid player, but um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's you know, Drew, just, just to be totally honest with you, I think it's uh, – you know, one of those deals, um, like you said, keeping the pipeline open, uh, much in the same way. And of course, you know, when Nick Saban does something like this, it always tends to uh, 
work out in a positive manner, much in the same way that the Robert Lester, Julio Jones uh, package deal did. You know, you had Anoma last year, uh, Shane Lee this year, uh, now Dow Court, and, uh, you know, they've got a five-star defensive end up there for 2020 uh, by the last name of Braswell. And I, I think maybe uh, the, the take of Dow Court uh, might play more into, um, you know, the, the, the Braswell decision than anything. Um, you know, Alabama has, has long since been loaded um, at the interior offensive line positions for probably – two or three years now. I mean, you know, you saw a guy like Brandon Kennedy um, that couldn't crack the uh, starting five at Alabama. He's gone to Knoxville and looks like he's going to be a starter for Jeremy Pruitt. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, there, there, there's a plan in place. And I'm not going to name names, but, you know, there is a plan in place. You know, people think that, you know, there's this hard number of 26 or 27, but, you know, there, there's a group of four or five players that have already been told um, that, that they might have to gray shirt, blue shirt, whatever label you want to put on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if Clay Webb, Darnell White, right, and uh, the Neil kid wants to come, uh, there's a plan in place there. Um, you know, if they can flip DeMarvin Leal and, and, you know, get softer and, uh, you know, one more interior guy on the defensive line position, there's a plan in place there. Um, you know, it's, if you're an Alabama fan, you know, there's a, an internet saying out there, um, you know, from Alabama fans. And I, and I think, you know, to be honest with you, it's true. Um, I stopped paying attention to recruiting and stopped worrying about how the, the recruiting checkbook balances out in August in 2008. That's where I'm at. I mean, I keep up with it. I'm interested in it, but I, I don't pay a lot of attention to it because, I know the greatest of all time college football coaches overseeing all of it. Yeah, that's a good point. And Tanner Bowles would be one of those guys, uh, number six player in Kentucky, committed to Alabama center guard that could gray shirt. But also, uh, like you said, they're after Evan Neal and and Darnell Wright. Probably not going to be able to get both, but they would certainly take both. But I definitely think they can get one of them. And when you factor in Clay Webb, it'll be probably the best offensive line class in the country. You talked about the defensive line. Uh, they certainly are are, are, try, are recruiting a Mills option still uh, very, very hard. I think it, I think another one to watch is Ika, uh, the young man from uh, Utah. He's another interior defensive lineman that Alabama likes a lot. And I think Tuatele has, has slipped down the board a bit, but he could still be a possibility depending on what Sopsher does. Uh, you know, if he decides uh, to go elsewhere or they can, it's going to be hard to – to flip to Marvin Leal, but certainly they're going to continue to recruit him. Uh, but they, they definitely have a pecking order and enough, you know, outstanding prospects to where they should sign the number one defensive line class as well. So this 2019 group is going to be built from inside out. Last year it was more uh, Jalen Waddell and then an outstanding secondary group. And then, like you said, turned out a really good inside linebacker group, even though Jalen Moody was underrated, but they didn't sign a lot of offensive and defensive linemen, but certainly uh, they are going to this year, and it's going to be a very heavy group. They're still expecting Trey Sanders from IMG Academy to be the other running back in this class. Uh, so they, And with Keelan Robinson, that would give them two quality additions. And as you said, Wandale Robinson arguably could be maybe the best offensive prospect they do sign. He had a Jalen Waddle-like performance uh, at Alabama's camp this summer. Uh, so it's going to be a great class. I still think it's going to be number one. Georgia certainly making things interesting as they always do, but the old adage is nobody remembers who finishes second. And Georgia finished second last year uh, in uh, on the field. They won the recruiting battle for a year, but I think Alabama is going to reclaim that. And I think uh, in a big way, Nick Saban and this coaching staff doing an outstanding job hitting that trail and uh, in uh, bringing in a lot of quality prospects. And as you said, William, uh, this this new coaching staff really energetic, uh, great recruiters, but also it looks like they're outstanding coaches. And I think that's what, you know, has excited a lot of people. And uh, another coach that I think doesn't get enough credit for the job he does on the trail. And I think he's going to do just fine with the running backs. And he's got Burton Burns still looking over his shoulder, the best uh, that we've ever seen as far as an on-field running backs coach. But I think Joe Panunzio deserves a lot of credit, William, for the job he's done the last couple of years. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think he's, you know, I, I like how Nick's paired him up with Mike Loxley down there in the, in the panhandle and, uh, you know, in South Florida. And, you know, Drew, you know, one thing that I, that I would really, you know, like to spend a little bit of time talking about, um, you know, as a former, you know, recruit and, and, and college football player that I don't think gets a lot of uh, talk is – you know, this because it, it's funny on, on the internet message boards right now, you've got the the Georgia fans that are gaga and all over themselves and, you know, the guy that they call the Kang and all, you know, all that other stuff. And you did see, you know, Nick Saban spend some time, uh, you know, in that ESPN special talking about how everybody's trying to copy their process. Yeah. But, but, but you know, hear, hear me out on this. It, it's one thing to sign. Um, you know, a four or five star recruit. But at the end of the day, I've always said the the, the best thing that Nick Saban brings to the table um, as probably the greatest of all time college football head coach. Yeah, I mean, his recruiting is elite, and he goes out and signs guys that he thinks are going to be first round draft picks. But the development process. That, that's a totally different thing than signing five-star football players. And, you know, Kirby Smart made a run at Scott Cochran, um, didn't get him. Uh, Nick Saban retained him. Um, he's, you know, going to probably get a huge raise um, based on what uh, the Iowa strength and conditioning coach got last week for, uh, you know. 725000 Mm-hmm. That's right. And, you know, to, to me personally, and, and I would say this for, you know, if there's any Georgia fans listening, in my mind, I think Jeremy Pruitt has done a better job of mimicking the uh, Nick Saban off-the-field process. Um, got a huge alpha strength coach in Craig Fitzgerald. Uh, got the uh, second command to uh, Amy Bragg out of the uh, Alabama uh, sports performance and nutrition program and uh, Rachel Pilson uh, to go up there with him in Knoxville. Um, you, you know, th- that's just half the battle of getting these elite players on campus. Um, you know, we'll have to wait and see if Kirby Smart can match, uh, you know, Nick Saban's work ethic, uh, the, the way he does stuff. I mean, you know, anybody, you know, whether it's, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, you know, whether it's Jeremy Pruitt in Knoxville, uh, Muschamp at South Carolina, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, sometimes you, you, you can't put together all the pieces of the puzzle. And uh, you, you, you can try and copy it if you want to. Um, but, you know, at the same time, and I think, you know, college football, uh, for people that are probably, you know, 55 to 75 years old, saw this play out with Coach Bryant. You know, the, the best form of flattery is imitation. Um, and, you know, the, those Georgia fans, man, they, they get, they're so aggressive on these message boards. Um, you know, they, they think that, you know, Kirby Smart has the best offensive line coach in college football and Sam Pittman. Sorry, he doesn't. The best college football coach from 2017 just left Notre Dame and went back to the Chicago Bears. His name is Harry Hostead. Um, so, you know, one thing that I have seen, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks that draws attention back to the University of Alabama is, you know, Drew, I think as this thing plays out and the longer that, that Coach Saban stays as the head coach of college football, it's it, it, the, the the rhetoric and the dynamic has gone from a lot of Alabama fans thought that Dabo Sweeney, you know, was going to be the heir apparent to the Nick Saban dynasty. Um, you know, now you've got people talking about Jeremy Pruitt, um, who I would probably put a vote in for because I think he's the best pure football coach I've ever been around. Um, and, and then you've got. Uh, Mario Cristobal out at Oregon, and and I would weigh in pretty heavily there on Mario. I love the guy. I consider him a friend. But when you you see the reinvention 
of what Lane Kiffin's trying to do to himself down at Florida Atlantic. You know, if Lane Kiffin can parlay what he's doing at Florida Atlantic and get back to a power five school somewhere between now and which I think is best case scenario, the next seven to 10 years, I think Nick Saban's not going anywhere in that window. Then all of a sudden, you know, do you throw Lane Kiffin into the mix? If he's got an elite defensive coordinator to, you know, balance out his, his offensive heavy stuff. So I think that's a storyline, you know, um, you know, if Jeremy Pruitt turns Tennessee into a 10 win program, um, you know, Mario does something in Oregon. You know, obviously, you know, Lane had a huge first year, um, you know, deal down at Florida Atlantic. You know, all of a sudden now we've got a lot of other uh, head coaching candidates to talk about other than Dabo. Well, yeah, I think there's a lot of them developing. And I'm really anxious to see what Jeremy Pruitt does at Tennessee. I hope he kicks the hell out of Kirby Smart. I think everybody knows that. <laughs> I mean, I'll – you know, that'll be the one time in my life I'd be rooting for Tennessee is when they play Georgia. And uh, I, I definitely will be rooting for Jeremy Pruitt, um, a homeboy from over here in Rainsville, Alabama, at Plainview High School to to teach Kirby Freeze, I mean smart, some lessons. I, I just don't think there's any doubt that I'll be rooting hard for that. I like Jeremy. I think he's a hell of a recruiter, hell of a defensive coordinator. I do think he's a better football coach and recruiter than Kirby Smart, no question about it. Uh, just needs to he, – now he's got a bigger mess. He inherited a much bigger mess than Kirby the Great inherited uh, at Georgia. And I want to see, you know, if he can manage expectations. Personally, I'm going to be uh, wearing uh, a South Carolina hat the second week of the season. I hope they get Georgia and uh, and send a message. I, I've always liked Muschamp better than Kirby as well. And saying all that, Kirby did a great job at, at Alabama as a, as a coach. He was an outstanding defensive coordinator, good teacher, but an average recruiter. Uh, you know, not a very good evaluator, you know, and that's been overblown uh, with what he's got going on over at Georgia. But I never wanted him to be the head coach at Alabama. Uh, never really got that gist that he was going to be an outstanding head coach. I do think Jeremy could be. I mean, I know there's, I know he's a little rough around the edges, but he's certainly got, uh, you know, somebody that had success in Philip Fulmer. Uh, hopefully he won't pick up every bad habit Fulmer had, uh, but certainly. Uh, he's got an, enough ability as a pure football coach with the resources Tennessee has uh, to be outstanding. Uh, and as you said, Dabo's just done an amazing job uh, with what uh, you know he what, what he's been able to do over there at Clemson. And there's a lot of talented guys that are uh, you know I think uh, Josh Gaddis has got a chance to be a quality head coach one day. Perhaps Tosh Lupoi. I, I love watching Tosh you know work with his guys. I think he's going to do great work as the defensive coordinator. So you're right. There's a lot of guys. Jim McElwain got a rough, I think, you know, he, I will, the whole Will Greer situation falling apart kind of hamstrung him at Florida. If he if had been able to keep Greer in that program, he's probably still the head coach there. Uh, you know, love Coach Mack. And you're right, Lane Kiffin on the right track. Just needs to stay off of the police blotter. You know, stay off of the <laughs> – stay out of TMZ. You know, keep your nose clean. I mean, there's no da- – when you go back and look, Actually, Lane Kiffin should be given even more credit with what Jalen Hurts did under his tutelage. Because since he uh, Lane Kiffin left, Jalen Hurts has gone backwards. Now, if if we, I, it, I'll say that if Lane Kiffin were still at Alabama, Tua would still be the quarterback because Lane Kiffin told people that Tua was the better player. Uh, that and he recruited both of them. But the bottom line is he did an amazing job of building an offense around Jalen Hurts and covering up for some of his deficiencies. And I still say if he could have stayed on the reservation and coached that game against Clemson in 2016, he probably figures some things out and they and they and finds a way to help Jalen win that game because he's that good at offensive mind. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But certainly it's fun being an Alabama fan right now. Uh, Nick Saban, what he needs to get credit for doing, and, and, and he did this when he went from Michigan State to LSU, and he did this when he came back to Alabama, and he's reinvented himself at Alabama. He's the greatest there's ever been at building a coaching staff. He knows how to identify young coaches. Uh, and I think he's, he's got the next wave now that he's developing with Tosh Lupoi, uh, certainly with Pete Golding, uh, Josh Gaddis. I think Wes, Wesley Neighbors is going to do a great job for Lane and that he will be an up-and-comer. Wouldn't surprise me if he's back at Alabama. 
in, in, at, in some point in time, coaching as maybe a defensive coordinator under Coach Saban or another or a position coach, maybe a co-defensive coordinator. I think, you know, uh, Wesley is a brilliant football mind. So, I mean, there's just so many guys. And let's not forget, one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL, he's got a Super Bowl ring now to go with those national championship rings, is Jeff Stoutland. Is Stoutland a great recruiter and evaluator? Probably not. But he can coach the hell out of some offensive linemen. I think that's been uh, that that's a a, a fact uh, that cannot be disputed, and so uh, right now, I mean, it's it, it's great to see. And now we're going to have another scrimmage to talk about next week. We're going to do another. So look for Bams Radio next Sunday. Uh, we're going to do a post scrimmage of Bams Radio uh, as we will have eyes at uh, the uh, second scrimmage of fall camp, which will go a long way to deciding uh, some of these position battles. Uh, hopefully Alabama can come out uh, with the same kind of injury situation they did out of this one. Uh, again, as we said, the only negatives from this week of practice, Jamie Mosley with a, a shoulder separation. I think he will be back at some point in time, but Daniel Wright looks like he could be lost uh, for a, a, a lengthy period of time due to his shoulder injury. So we'll just have to monitor both those situations. And in closing, we don't talk a ton of basketball on here except during basketball season, but a huge addition for Avery Johnson and Antoine Petway yesterday from my backyard. Kyra Lewis, one of the best combo guards in America. He'd had an unbelievable summer. He'd gone from a four-star prospect to a five-star. Uh, there's, there's, and uh, now he is reclassified from 2019 to 2018. He will be finishing classes this week. He will sign with the University of Alabama next week, and he is slated to start classes uh, on August uh, at the end, around August the. The 17th or 18th. So at the end of the, on the end of this coming week, Kyra Lewis will be a student at Alabama. Uh, cr- big credit to him for uh, going through the, uh, the all the academic work and, and graduating a year early. And it's a boon for Alabama because uh, Jared Butler, their incoming point guard signee from a reserve Louisiana, has a medical situation going on. Uh, they said there's a there's a strong uh, you know chance he could be medically disqualified uh, because of. Uh, just a serious health situation, uh, so where where he may have to give up playing basketball. We'll see, you know, when that becomes official. But I think that was one of the reasons why Alabama staff quietly brought Kyra Lewis in for an official visit last week, made sure that he was uh, close to being done to doing this reclassification, and then out recruited the likes of Kansas, Memphis, uh, Auburn. Uh, you know, just uh, he had uh, you know uh, offers throughout the country. Indiana. He was a national recruit. But once again, Avery Johnson, going, uh, you know, keeping the elite talent at home and getting Kyra Lewis in the fold for the University of Alabama. So that was some big news for basketball. And now we've got huge news coming out of today in football with Tua Tungvaloa making a huge statement in his quest uh, to become as a true sophomore uh, the starter at quarterback for uh, the University of Alabama. But it's been a great BAMS radio tonight. It's been a quick hour. Uh, you know, time flies when you have a lot to talk about want to thank William Redfish Barger for uh, joining us and giving us his outstanding intel and opinions on what we have heard coming out of this scrimmage. want to thank Thomas Watts for, of course, being the producer that he is and doing a great job getting us started. And I want to, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I'm your host, Drew DeArmond. For everybody, have a great rest of your weekend. And we got scrimmage number two coming up next week, and we'll have a full report. So be sure to tune back in. Thank you for every, to everyone for supporting BAMS Radio. Good night and roll tide.